You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to Nordic SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Patrick Olsson, the CEO at Findity. That's the key thing to, to not only give someone or a team the assignment of developing partnerships, you also need to be supportive uh, in terms of how you set up your organization. All right, we are back with the SAS Nordic podcast, and now we have some perspective on the previous SASIS 2023 event. Daniel, what's your take on uh, on this year's SASIS? I mean, like you said and alluded to, it's nice to be on this side now to have uh, the event behind us a little bit at the same time it's a little bit sad you know it's, it's been such a big build-up working up to the event and then we had the delivery obviously last week and now it's like okay what do we do now yeah but it's back it's back to business though it's back to normal business it's back to normal but for sure we have next year's event already in our minds uh, and also trying to do that to an even better experience but uh, we just want to say thank you to everyone being involved all the speakers uh, Trine our great moderator the whole event team Jessica and and her crew the volunteers from uh, Skåne Startup um, our own hero Philip that took a big responsibility from being an intern to uh, being um, a partner manager that performed really well. Our partners, of course, our sponsors, um, making the whole event possible and uh, having a great setup in the exhibition. And not least our community partner, Verdain, Ox and Float, that that also, you know, keep us going with this. Wow, that sounded like, you know, an Oscars worthy speech. (laughs) (laughs) Did I forget someone? You you forgot the families. Yeah, of course. So this year also very happy to have our families on stage, our wives. You even had your son Theo on stage. He almost stole the show. Yes, yes. That was a big moment for all of us. But yeah, like what you said, thank you. Thank you to everyone that contributed. We appreciate it. Yeah. And our parents as well. So yeah, great experience. Looking forward, uh, continuing with everything we do here. And of course, one important part of that is the podcast. And uh, we have some new interesting episodes lined up for you. And also, if you have anyone that you would like to see on the show, please reach out and we'll make that happen. But today, we're actually going to cover a topic that we haven't really done before. Right. So... Let's dig into it. Let's do it. Today, we are very happy to have Patrick Olsson, the CEO at Findity, here as a guest in the SAS Nordic podcast. So, uh, welcome, Patrick. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. And we're all curious, like, who, who is who's Patrick? What are you all about? As mentioned, I'm the CEO of Findity, an expense management platform company. Um, and uh, I have two kids and a wife. All right. And tell us a little bit about your professional journey. Yeah, so um, I started off uh, selling motorbikes, actually, in a a motorbike uh, shop. 
What kind of motorbikes? Uh, motocross and street bikes. Have you been uh, riding yourself? Yeah, I've been riding motocross myself in when, when I was a, a, a kid. So, so basically, you have no elbows or wrists or or anything left. They're quite okay, actually. But uh, yeah, they they've seen some stuff. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that's where I started off selling motorbikes, uh, and then I did um, my university degree in Australia, just south of Brisbane. And uh, when I came back, I joined a actually a SaaS company. I didn't know anything about SaaS at that point, uh, uh, around 2009, 2010-ish. Um, a Swedish-founded SaaS company focusing uh, that focused on monitoring web-based applications, basically. So you were running scripts toward an application, and then you measured the the uptime and response time of of that um, system. Um, I joined as a sales rep. Uh, we were ten people uh, at that time, and then I stayed for about seven years, uh, eight years ish, and then I I joined. Uh, Finity, and I've been here since then, uh, which that's about five years ago. All right, and you mentioned a little bit about that it had with uh, expense management to do, but what more can you tell us about uh, Finity? Yes, so we're an expense management uh, product company, as mentioned. So we built a, a platform for handling expenses. Uh, so basically, when you're out and you you buy someone lunch or you you bring some uh, cookies to a meeting or 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 such um, you need to expense that in in some way right and uh, so we built an app and we built a platform and then we uh, uh, sell that platform to a partner who put their branding on the product and bring that to their customer base so we're we're focusing on partnerships uh, and white labeling of of the platform okay so you're mentioning partnerships here so who's your ideal customer so the ideal customer is a partner of ours. Um, so that could be, we actually have three different type of partners. So one being financial software. So Visma, Fortnox, Hoogia, uh, and, and similar software companies who um, are in the need or, or, or uh, of a, an expense management solution, or they are not keeping up with the market demands uh, on their existing self-built expense solution. And then we come in and, and offer our platform, and they, they then they can bundle that as their own product in their own product offering and bring that to, to the market. So that's one type. Another type of, of a partner of ours uh, is um, accounting and payroll service providers, such as PwC, BDO, and, and similar, uh, who would like to add a digital experience to their clients in terms of handling receipts and expenses. Uh, and the third one is is a corporate card provider, uh, someone issuing a corporate card in the market, and uh, is uh, in need of of adding an expense management solution to that card offering. Uh, and such a partner is American Express, uh, which we work with. Okay. So these three type of of partners we are working with, and 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 serve them with an expense platform. Okay. So. Looking at some of the numbers here, just so we put things in perspective, can you walk us through, if we start with the high-level numbers, what is your ARR in euros and how fast are you guys growing year over year? Yes, so we, uh, we're at uh, 8 million 
euros in ARR. Mm. Uh, we are growing about 35 to 40% on an annual basis. Um, and we are adding about 50 new companies to the platform each day via our partners, I need to say, of course. So h- how many partners do you have? And via those partners, how many customers do you have? Mm. So we have about um, 30 partnerships, white label partnerships. So partners using our platform and selling that to their customer base. Um, we have about 40,000 companies on the platform today. Wow. Uh, which equals about 300,000 end users or employees using the platform for for handling expenses, basically. So a few receipts then. Yeah, a lot of receipts. <laughs> Everybody's favorite. Who doesn't want to deal with receipts, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, how, how many are you in, in, in your company? How big is your organization to, to manage and support the, this setup? We're about 80 teammates today, uh, spread across a couple of markets. So the majority of us are based in Sweden, uh, actually spread across uh, three different uh, offices in Sweden. And then we have uh, teammates in Finland, UK, Germany, Norway, and Spain. And is that also in those regions where you actively sell, or is that just a coincidence? Um, Both, I would say. Um, So the product is today adopted for seven markets. So we're handling local languages, local regulations and integrations to accounting and payroll systems in those seven markets. Um, however, we, we only focus on, on four markets, I would say. So Sweden being one, Norway, and UK, and Germany. Okay, good. And how have you guys been funding this exercise so far? Uh, as you say, say uh, the company is founded by friends, families, and fools, in a way. <laughs> <laughs> Some smart fools. Yeah, jokes aside, but uh, we haven't done any typical letter round so far. So we've been been funding the company uh, for, via uh, the network and private investors. Okay, and and you came in and you're, uh, if if I'm not mistaken here, a hired gun. This you didn't found this company. You're a hired that CEO. Yeah. So how big of a stake do you have in this business? Um, it depends how you count, but it's it's big enough to be very well invested. All right, that's fair. So <clears throat> today's topic is about, you know, white labeling your product. And um, I think some companies are struggling with this, uh, especially, you know, if they started out with their standalone product and they might, you know, do both things at the same time. And you have had, had a journey with this as well. So we thought we could follow that and then go, uh, go down the road and take some specifics. But... Uh, just to start off with those that aren't familiar so much with what white labeling is, could you could you give a definition of it? Sure. Um, so it's it's when you bring a, a product to a, um, a a customer or a partner without branding, basically. So you, in our case, we build we bring the technology and and uh, the user interfaces in terms of the the mobile apps and the desktop apps. Um, but we don't bring that with a branding. So the partner, they put their branding and stickers on our product and sell that to their customer base as their own product. And that's the white labeling part of it. All right. But could you take us through your journey by, I don't know, first having your standalone product and then going into white labeling? 
Sure, definitely. I, I won't. Uh, I, I can just say that uh, Findity as a company started off focusing on something completely different. We were focusing on digitizing receipts in the retail retail shops at that time when we, we started the company. And around 2015, uh, 2016, we started to build um, an expense management solution uh, based on uh, requests from, from the market. Um, and one of those uh, customers or partners were uh, PWC, who were looking for an expense management solution to be bundled into their My Business uh, product bundling, consisting of an accounting system, payroll system, and an expense management system. So that's that's when we started to build the product. And um, fortunately, we uh, did that together with a partner who were looking for a white label solution uh, from the get go, so to say. Um, so that's how we started off. Um, but we also started to sell the solution directly to end customers under a different branding. So um, we used a brand called Company Expense at that time, and that was the brand that we sold directly to end customers. And when you say end customers here, what what, uh, what kind of companies did you sell to? It's a horizontal product, so it, it fits very well into different uh, uh, type of, of segments. So as long as you, you have expenses in uh, in the company and your employees are... are, are um, uh, making expenses either on a, a corporate card or, or a pri private card, um, which is the most uh, common way, then you're in a need for a digital process uh, for handling expense man uh, expenses. Uh, so we started to sell off basically to everyone that, that was looking for a solution that could help them uh, save time and save cost and reduce errors for when, when handling receipts. Um, so th those were the end customers we were selling to at the same time as we were developing a partnership with a partner who were selling the product, this exact same product, um, but under their own branding. And did you experience any challenges, you know, having both those tracks active, both the direct sales and the white labeling? And what was that? Uh, yes, uh, we did. Um, so one thing is, of course, that... Um, when you sell directly to the to the market um, at the same time as having partners selling to the, the same market, you will see some channel conflicts. Um, and so that, that's one thing. Um, another thing is when we went abroad or, or uh, into new markets and we wanted to build a brand and, and, and talk to the market, it's, it's uh, harder to do that with two brands. Than one, so it it becomes uh, uh, um, very expensive to drive both uh, brands, but also you will not be as successful uh, as if you were uh, driving one brand only. Right. So there's been a couple of of of, um, of challenges having a dual go-to-market strategy. Uh, another one is uh, which um, I think it's maybe the most important thing is about focus in the company and also how you set up your organization. It's a different type of an organization serving direct customers in terms of customer support, onboarding, and so on, compared to an organization set up for 
supporting your partner to be successful selling to their customer base. Yeah. Or it's more about supporting the partner from all the different departments. So customer support being second line, the marketing team being part of their marketing team setting um, uh, marketing calendars uh, together. And our biggest commercial team is actually um, uh, sales reps working with our partners uh, and making them them uh, uh, successful. All right. So what was the tipping point? When did you decide that you had to choose a path? I think it came very clear when we entered into new markets. Um, when you uh, we were using the company expense brand to sell to direct customers, and we were using the, the Find It brand to sell our platform to partners. And I think it became very clear when we entered into new market, and then we wanted to to uh, to uh, to drive the brand and also how the communication. When you're in a new market, when no one knows you, you need to be very clear, and that's when it became very um, obvious that we we should focus. So the first thing we did was to merge the, the brands or, or actually dropping the, the, the company expense brand. So we went direct and to partners with the Find It brand. And what we've done since then is that we turned our focus even more to to uh, to partnerships. Right. Um, and that goes along with how we set up the product product and how we set up the, the organization as well. Right. You, you touched upon it already a little bit, but just, you know, walk us through and try to paint as colorful pictures as you can. Or maybe it's a dark picture. I don't know, but I, I'm guessing it's a colorful one. Uh, so you have a new partner that you signed. What happens then? Like, you know, how do you work and activate this partner and make sure that both of you have a flourishing partnership? Like, walk us through that hmm. that's a very good question that's the key of of being successful um so um first of all um we operate under a rev share model so the partner's success is our success and vice versa so where we start off is to to set the launch plan and uh, the typically a couple of things that we need to do in terms of integrating the system so we can fetch users organization short of accounts cost centers and all that um, so that's one thing, but uh, one thing is also to, to set the actual launch plan. How will we take this to the market? Should we start with the existing base or should we uh, uh, include this in, in, in new sales um, and so on? Uh, alongside that, we also set the, the, the marketing plan. What type of events will we run? What type of webinars? What type of resources will be needed? How will we build this into the value prop? Uh, how will we train the sales teams, the support teams? Uh, how will we work with their marketing team and so on? So basically building this, this go-to-market plan and um, uh, make sure that we both are committed and then we set clear targets in terms of, of, of number of users that we would like to, to onboard to the platform the first six months, the first 12 months, and so on. Okay. And then it's all about execution. Right. Of course. Yeah, and you said here in the beginning, obviously, there is some integration that needs to happen. So how much of your product is bespoke or customized for each partner? And, and who does this customization? So we ship the same code base to all our partners. So that's that's a, a key thing. 
we're not developing specific features and functions for for a partner or a customer in that way. If we do, we work with with the feature toggle so that the partner can toggle it on and off and so on. But it's this is part of of setting up the go to 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 market plan to. Um, to decide together with the partner what type of features and functionality they would like to be enabled in that in in their version. Right. But we ship the the same code and the same platform code base to to all our partners. So when we develop new features, that's that's something that's available for everyone, and that's been very important for us in terms of scaling and to to keep pace, keep up the pace in 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 developing the product. Right. And does that mean that I'm assuming now it's a simple sales guy here again, mm, sure. does most of the partners just reskin it? So like how it looks might be different from partner to partner, but technically it's the same. Yes. So they have the, the, the control of look and feel yeah. uh, and they have the control of, of what's, what features that should be available, but um, uh, it's, it's the same product and same code base that we ship. Yeah. So I'm curious here because uh, I have lived through a, a white label OEM type of scenario myself. And we had lots of issues on the GTM side. We'll, we'll get to that, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But we also had issues with uh, getting our partner uh, the latest version of the product in their product fast enough, so to say. How, how do you secure that? And how much support is that there from your end or how much push is there from your end in terms of them getting the the, the new versions of the product in their product that happens instantly as they are all running on the same code base but then it's uh, w- what's most often about is when to launch a new feature so we we launched a service for for uh, um, uh, together with swish uh, for for payouts mm-hmm. so you receive the, the the payout via swish instead of on your payslip um, so everyone gets that feature at the same time but it's more about how should we launch it how should we take it to the market how should we communicate this new feature to the existing customer base and how to build it into the value prop so i would say it's more about a plan of releasing a new feature than it is to 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 get them to 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 get it included in their version. Right, and you also mentioned here in the, a little bit earlier about the the GTM plan, and I'm curious, is it because it sounds like there's a lot of people involved, you know, the marketing teams, somebody educating their salespeople on how to do this and so on, but is there somebody, one individual on each side that owns this plan? Yes. Uh, so on our side, we have a role called partner account manager and that's the person person orchestrating the whole partner team um, on that's on our side and typically on on the partner side there is a product owner or a product manager owning this this expense solution and and that person is the uh, is orchestrating the partner team on the partner side so to say so there are a lot of different um, expertise involved on, on both sides, but uh, uh, there is a kind of a single point of contact on each side. All right, so shifting to your internal processes a little bit, how do you build an organization to support indirect sales? I think that's the key uh, to be successful in, in uh, operating under a, an indirect go-to-market strategy. Um, 
So typically, um, you have some type of a partner sales manager or a partner program, even though you're selling directly to, to end customers. Because uh, it's it's a it's a good feeling when you have a a working partner working partner program when you have partners selling your product. Um, but I think, at least my opinion is that you it's it's very hard to do both because it's all about how you set up the organization and how you develop your product. And it's 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 even though if you have a partner team or a partner department or or, or however you set it up. Um, if your your main or primary go to market strategy is to to sell to end customer, you will still have the same product team, the, the development team, the, the the marketing team, and so on. So um, I think that you need to double down on on one go to market strategy to be very successful. And the way we did it is that we doubled down on on the indirect or partner first model, and um, then we we went the the full way, so to say, we set up the organization. So our customer support, they are focusing on second line support. Our partner, they will handle first line support. Our biggest, as I mentioned before, commercial team is the the the, the, the commercial team working with our existing partnerships. Our In our marketing department, we have roles like partner marketing managers, who are working directly with the marketing team of our uh, partner. And, and that's the way we do it in all different departments. How can we set this function or domain up to support our partner to be successful selling to their end customers? Yeah. So I think that's that's the key thing to, to actually do that and to, 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 uh, to, to not only give someone or a team the assignment of, of developing partnerships, you also need to be supportive uh, in terms of how you set up your organization. Yeah, and you mentioned you were active in mainly four markets. I think uh, it must be a limited TAM, total addressable market, within these countries, especially when you look at Sweden and Norway and so on. So, yeah, how how big a pipeline ca can you actually have? <laughs> yeah, that's a very good question. Um, but uh, yeah, we... we if we look at the actual problem we are solving, that's a problem that sits at the employee level in the end customer company. So the TAM it's it's quite large if you look at, at if you look at it that way. Uh, that you see that I mean almost all employees have expenses uh, at least once a year that can be. Um, uh, uh, Yes, some cookies for a meeting or, or, or some, something, a uh, health uh, care receipt or, or, or similar. So if you look at it that way, the TAM is quite, quite large. But you're totally correct in our addressable partnerships is, 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 is limited. So we need to, when we enter into a new market, we look at the largest um, ERP systems like uh, an accounting system or a payroll system. Who are the top 15 or 20 accounting systems here? The, the likes of FISMA and Fortnox, uh, if you compare to Sweden. Yeah. Um, and then we do the same in, 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 in terms of who are the biggest payroll systems uh, in this market. Okay. So say... 15 of those and then we do the same with corporate card providers and, and accounting and payroll service providers and then we have a quite condensed um, 
uh, prospect list. So it's an enterprise sales cycle, uh, uh, and it takes time. It's not a sprint race for us. It's a marathon. Um, but at the same time, or, or the flip side of that is that we can be very bootstrapped in types in, in terms of of the size of a sales organization that's needed. All right. So these these new partners of yours, when you sign a new partner, is there a transaction happening already there, or the first time there's a financial transaction is when they sell your software? Mm, there are some some. Uh, entry costs uh, to set up the the partnership so they get access to the platform and all that but it's it's uh, so there are some minimum fees on a monthly basis that's that's that happens day one if you will right um, but um, um, we operate under a, a license based business model so uh, the end customer pays a fee or per seat or per license per employee per month and then we uh, share that with the partner. So, so the more successful our partner is, the more successful we are. Okay, so what happens if Volvo, Tetra Pak, or some company like that knocks on your door and say, we really like your express system, could we have it? Yeah, and we've been in, in those situations. Uh, so um, we've, uh, we've served those large enterprises before, uh, but lessons learned is that that always comes with a Volvo-specific feature list that we need to, to address and that that um, uh, eats our roadmap up. So in that case, uh, we, we don't want to, we, 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 um, this might sound uh, strange, but we don't want to sell directly to end customer. We would like them to buy the product from someone of our partners. Yeah. So we address them to, to a partner. Okay. PR and communication are the keys to building awareness for your company. You want to make sure you reach the right people with the right message at the right time. My Newsdesk is a smart PR platform where you can manage all your communication efforts in one place. My Newsdesk makes it easier for companies of all sizes to create awareness and build relations with the people that matter the most to you. Don't make PR harder than it needs to be. Visit mynewsdesk.com to start your free trial. Being uh, in sales myself, I'm always curious. People that have a strong, you know, partner arm, and in this case, in this case, you guys have a white label sales machine here. How do you predict sales? Like, it's not like you have all the opportunities in your CRM and can somehow gauge where the sales conversations are like. So, how do you forecast and predict, you know, what the future holds for you? Yeah, you're you're spot on, and I think that's the the that's. Uh, a difficult thing when you're not um, steering yourself in a way. Uh, so uh, it's 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 more difficult than if you work with more traditional direct sales, where you can look at the funnel and then you can weight the, the 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 value of the funnel and so on, and then you get good prediction of of of, of revenue. Um, the way we do it is that we work closely with the partners. We set up um, uh, targets together. We measure against those targets as we go, um, and we also see that. Uh, and as I mentioned before, it's a marathon in a way that our partners. We see that they have the biggest growth after a couple of years. So for us, it's it's how to get that launch great, so to say, and then building off of of that launch and and um, keep 
doing uh, activities towards the market. So, but uh, uh, at the end of the day, we we set. Uh, targets together we measure against them and when we, you've been working together for a couple of years you you know each other quite well and you and, and based on those things you, we can do forecasts in terms of growth rate all right right you mentioned that you had the partner marketing managers so what kind of activities do you do you do in that uh, area we drive co-marketing programs uh, we uh, provide partner with uh, resources in terms of ROI calculations, um, uh, feature information, uh, white label, uh, um, white papers, uh, and such uh, for them to put their branding on and bring to the market. So um, we're, we're providing them with both uh, bandwidth, but also expertise within the, the expense domain. All right. Uh, so we run webinars, we run com- campaigns together, we run, uh, we we visit trade uh, fairs or, or, uh, together and, and and such. So it depends. It's it's not one size fits all for our, all our partners. So that's something that we put in that that uh, plan together. But different things. If you as a company you think about should we do white labeling or not, you have done it for a while. What would you say? What is the benefits versus you know the challenges doing so? Yeah, it's it's you need to understand that if you go the white label, if you take the white label path, that's really you 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 need to be uh, very long term in your perspective. It takes time to to build those type of partnership and to see the revenue coming. So from the initial meeting to getting the first revenue in and then seeing the growth over time together with that partner, it really takes time. So that's that's uh, that's a benefit in the way that you're very sticky in the, in the relationship with the partner. Uh, but the flip side is that it, the, 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 it takes time to get to that point. Uh, so you need to be be um, long-term in your, in your perspective in that way. Does that mean that like from a cash flow perspective, like, you need to have certain muscle in your bank account yeah. to be able to sustain a certain period, maybe without incoming money until you get this going versus if you would just, you know, go direct sales. Yes, definitely. It's, it's, uh, it requires more cash at hand uh, as you need to invest more upfront before you see the revenue coming back. That, that, that's for sure. All right. So stickiness, one benefits other things, would you say? After some time, and when you have a a, um, a good portfolio of partnerships, uh, you also have a quite stable growth. Um, as you grow with your partners, and you you also the, the cost of acquisition goes down as you you are leveraging the the sales teams of your partners. So that's that's really a, a, a benefit of, of running a partnership program rather than selling direct uh, directly. And w- what we were talking about before as well, when entering a new market, you, you, your prospect list if, is, is, is shorter uh, and you can focus your efforts, but the sales cycles are a bit longer and it takes more time. So there are two sides of that coin. Yeah. Interesting. And I think I have maybe a few specific questions that you can help uh, address. And I, I think I'm, I'm seeing all the opportunities because like you said, you know, having a strong partner, 
you have access to the, their distribution and all their customers. And if you're new in the space, maybe you don't have a brand yet, you can leverage the Fort Knox brand. And so on. I think I, I get all of those. But at the same time, I think there might be, at least from my perspective, additional challenges that I would be curious from your perspective to how, how you approach that is. And one of them is that customer loyalty, because the end customers might not know that this fantastic tool is yours mm. and you're not in control of that relationship at all. Should Fort Knox decide to do something else, maybe the end customer will be disappointed, but there's no link to you. How do you handle that risk? That's a good, very good question. Um, you're totally correct that we, we sit one step behind or it's one step between us and the end customer. Um, that, that that's that's true um but it also if you if you turn it around uh, um the the end customer might have stronger feelings for that brand that they've been working with for quite some time and and feel loyalty with um so uh from the partner perspective it's it's all about building their own brand and, and, and the white labeling concept helps them with doing so. Right. But uh, there is a step between us and the end customer and uh, we're not in full control of, 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 of the customer relationship and customer relationship. So that's, that's the challenge for sure. Yeah. And th that also brings me to the, to the second question. And especially now in our world and especially in times like these, you know, the easiest thing to do, if you have a standard sales motion is to sell more mm. to the existing customer base. Yep. And how does that work in this world? Like you might have cool stuff happening, mm. but you can't get to the end customer. Then you have to restart the entire process. Is that a challenge or am I just envisioning that it's a challenge? It is a challenge, but depends on the perspective. If you put your yourself in the partner's shoes, so to say, right. this brings them an opportunity to sell more to their customer base. So we, we, we bring them a potential new revenue stream or a potential upsell opportunity, adding a new feature or adding a new product to the product portfolio in terms of expense management, for instance. So uh, if, you, if you take that perspective, um, that brings a upsell opportunity. Um, and for us, um, we, we are not 100% in control of, of how we package the product to the end customer right. and, and what add-ons that are included. So some partners, they've decided that they have that type of a uh, tapas menu where you can add uh, uh, add-ons right. and that brings up the, the ARPU, uh, but some include it. Uh, so that's up to our, our partner to decide. So. Um, but it's, it depends how you see it. Uh, often uh, uh, the partner sees the expense, the new expense module as an upsell opportunity on their existing customer base. Right. And then the big one. So what if your partner's starting build this for themselves mm. and you get wiped out? Yeah, that's that's obviously a risk. Um, but uh, the way we see it is that we're, we're to, today 80 people developing an expense management uh, platform. About 50% of the teammates uh, sits within the product and tech team. So you need a quite 
big uh, product and, and development team to keep up with the pace that we have. So uh, um, my answer to that is, yeah, let's go ahead and, and, and invest in that. But I think that you, you're better off putting those resources or on your core, which might be a payroll system or issuing corporate cards to the market and so on. Let us take care of the, the expense part of it. Have you been in any such situations where one of your partners said that we're going to build this ourselves? Yeah, I mean that's that's typically one of our competitors when when this, <laughs> discussing with a new partner, where where they look at it. Should we do this ourselves? What's the ROI of that uh, compared to running with with Find It in this case? Uh, so that happens, and it also happens that we have partners that have their own expense solution, but decide that they will not continue to invest in that and and reallocate those resources to to uh, their core. So yeah, we've been experiencing both. Yeah. I, I guess there's also then a risk, I just realized this when I was, when we listened to you here, that if I'm one of these big companies, let's say Fort Knox, I guess there's also a risk for me that I will commit to a solution that maybe in theory or in practice, I don't know, tomorrow might be owned by my worst competitor. Because there's a risk that one of these will pick you up. Of course. And then suddenly I am paying my competitor to use a system. Is, is that ever a conversation that comes up? Yeah, from time to time, um, of course. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's obviously a risk. Uh, and uh, that's something you can handle in, 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 in the, the, the contracts as well. Um, what we see some, sometimes is, is that you, you have a very kind of basic solution built by yourself and when you need a more premium version with all the the bits and pieces so to say um then you run with a a, a solution together with us for instance so maybe you'll end up like swish like there's a, a bunch of banks owning them and maybe in your case there will be a, a bunch of these big systems owning you <laughs> hey I, I was also curious um how much does it cost to run a model like this and i guess specifically what i'm asking for like if the customer pays, end customer pays one euro, mm-hmm. how much of that ends up on your account? Not your personal account, but your, the corporate <laughs> account. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, the way, uh, as I mentioned before, so we operate under a, a license-based business model. So, it, and, and one euro uh, example is, is pretty spot on. So you pay about one euro per, per, per employee per month. And then uh, if you, we make it very easy, we split that in half together with our partner. Uh, of course, we have some staircase where we give incentives to the partner to increase their margin the more users they have on the platform. But uh, it's a rev share type of a setup where we both are successful when the partner is successful. Okay. Okay. So to end off a little bit here, what would be your three tips for companies that want to st- sell their product as a white labeling solution? One thing is to set up the organization. Um, I mean, to double down on one go-to-market strategy and then set up the organization according to to, to that. Um, and that the same one, the same goes, which is tip number two, the same goes when you develop your product. If you double down on a partner first model or an indirect go-to-market strategy, then you 
need to build your product that way as well so that you you deliver a product first optimized a product or a solution so those are very important the organization and the way you run and and and, and develop your product and the last thing is to to focus i mean we've been in a situation where we run with a dual strategy and that's 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 good sometimes but it's 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 very uh, hard to be successful in both so double down and focus on one thing those are the three takeaways for me at least cool thank you and what is in the future for findity now the next coming years so what we've said to ourselves is that we will keep doing what we've been very successful with doing in in, in Sweden, uh, focusing on expense management, bringing that to to the market via partners, and uh, for us it's it's uh, about scaling into new markets. So I mentioned Norway, which we've been in a couple of years, but we entered the UK market uh, a year, two years back-ish, and then the German market. So keep doing what we've been doing here, up here in the north, but in these larger markets and be as, as successful as we've been here up in the north. That's the future of us. Okay, cool. And, uh, you know, we have a quite uh, interesting crowd listening to the podcast here. Is there, do you want to do a shout out? Is there anything that you are looking for right now? Talent. And I think that's, that's very common. What kind of talent? Cross the, I mean, in all different departments. So we have a, we, we are growing uh, year over year and we are uh, expanding our organization in all different areas. So, um, I think that we have a good weighting in the type of setup that we have in organization. So we're expanding in all different areas. Uh, but I mean, it, what, what do you say? Teamwork, teamwork makes the dream work, right? So <laughs> we need some good talent on board to, to be successful. Awesome. We live by that statement. Although our team is significantly smaller than yours. So uh, we also ask every guest here, and we'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this. Who would you like to see on the show? Is there a person that you'd like to hear his or her thoughts on or somebody that inspires you that we should get on here? Uh, that's a good one. Uh, I would say uh, Anna Beck, uh, former CEO of Kiva. Uh, I think she's been on a very interesting journey um, developing a product used by, uh, I don't know, half of, of the population of Sweden, uh, I guess. And and uh, and in a feeling that you you feel like it's it's run by the government in a way, but it's still a private uh, owned company. Uh, so I to to pick her brain on what's been the lessons learned from that journey would be very interesting. And then uh, um, in these uh, roles board assignment that she's been focusing on since she left uh, Kira. So Anna Beck is very interesting. It's a very interesting person and, and a business leader. So if you can get her on the show, that's that's amazing, I think. Do you know her? Yes, I know her a bit. Okay, then I have one idea how we can get hold of her. <laughs> Great. You are on the hook now, Patrick. <laughs> but Patrick, Great. thank you so much for being with us today and uh, share your knowledge around the uh, yeah, driving a company with kind of go-to-market motion and uh, well see you around see you around thank you for having me take care now 
So Daniel, what's your main takeaways from this episode? Every episode is is really interesting. Uh, And this one was a first for me. Like I've never myself worked for a company with a a white label uh, solution. Uh, So uh, it was was good to hear how how it's all done and how it all works. Uh, we know that you know selling with partners or leveraging the ecosystem is, is big and, and this is obviously one way of leveraging partners and ecosystems. Um, I think it was interesting to hear Patrick talk about you know their strategy to do it, what it takes to, to run this. You have to have a white label organization or <laughs> an organization that's specifically built to cater this type of a sales motion uh, uh, and of course the product and all of these things. So I, I thought that was an interesting perspective that he started with the, with the organization to have the right organization to support this. But many, many interesting things. What about you, Thomas? Also, one thing that, that I thought was interesting is that I, I said that you have to understand that this is a long-term player, right? You won't get the money back at once. You, you need to have a good runway and patience uh, and also With building these partnerships, you need to make sure that your partners are well equipped with everything, training so they can do the first line support and uh, and also support them when it comes to to uh, sales and marketing. So it's it's a long play, but if you manage to do it right, you can get really sticky and it can be also um, when you go out to new markets, you have a recipe for success. Yes. Indeed, indeed. And again, like like always, uh, we hope you enjoy the podcast and everything else we do. We, we do this to share knowledge. If you appreciate this episode, give us a, a five star uh, or five pluses, whatever it is that you can give us five in, five out of five ideally. And like Thomas said here in the beginning, if you have grand ideas of topics or speakers or presenters, we should include in the podcast or in any upcoming forums do let us know absolutely and uh, you can also always head over to sasnordic.com to be updated on everything we do the next big thing for us is starting to planning for sas is digital that will be in the end of september more about that later now we thank you for being with us today and see you around take care